Hello, and welcome to Queer by Birth, Proud by Choice. I am your host, Jake Federowski. My pronouns are they, them, and I navigate the world as a white, genderqueer individual. Today, I'll be speaking with Andrew Grant Houston, otherwise known as ACE, architect, environmental advocate, housing activist, and candidate in Seattle's mayoral race. Ace, welcome to the podcast, and thanks for setting aside some time today. Yeah, thank you for having me, Jake. I really appreciate having this conversation. To start us off, would you mind sharing your pronouns and then anything you may be bringing to the conversation today? Yeah, so I would say, well, first, my pronouns are he, him. And last night was the first night I went to Supernova, which I would say is a newer queer-ish bar. It was definitely interesting not to go for like a specific queer event. And there definitely were a lot of people of different kinds of genders and expressions. And so navigating a new space like that and um, it being also away from Capitol Hill was uh, definitely an interesting experience last night. Mm, Yeah. I had some friends that went to, because I think it opened like fairly recently. Yes. They said the line was insane. (laughs) Yeah. So one of the first uh, events that happened was hosted by Beauty Voice, which is a local like queer, trans and BIPOC led kind of like nonprofit, but like artist group. And so they know how to throw a great party. And so everyone shows up. Oh, cool. That's so good to hear. I'm, I need to make my way down there one of these days. I mean, try it. I actually um, attempted to take the bus back last night, which took me about an hour. And so um, just prep to take a lift back. Okay. To start the conversation off, I like to ask each guest to kind of dive into their meaning or definition of pride and what that kind of brings up for them, what that means to them, and how they interact with that word in their in their daily life. So I would say pride for me is being unapologetically yourself. And I would say that moving to Seattle actually started to help me be in more of a, a nurturing queer space. Um, I had moved here from Austin, which Austin is very much an accepting city, but it's not necessarily a place that kind of like lifts up and uh, really supports queer and trans identities. And so being able to be here and be unapologetically myself, being able to really explore like who uh, Ace is and who I wanted to be uh, definitely helped me. And in particular, because I am running my campaign, it is something where I have been very unapologetically myself. I've been uh, really emphasized pride and uh, honesty, especially with politics. There can be so many ways that people want to portray you. And so I made the conscious effort to really take control. Sure. You know, as you, as you move to a new city, um, you know, and, and, I know like when I moved to Chicago for the first time, I finally was like in a new place where no one knew me and I got to kind of start fresh. And that I think was, that was my moment where like, I finally felt like I could be this proud and out individual. There was no worry about what will people think because there was no history, right? There, no one knew who I was. And so I just got to start fresh. Did you kind of feel that way moving to a new city, like moving to Seattle? 
Definitely. And I think a big part of it was I started to really ingrain myself more having like, not so exclusive, but pretty queer centered friend groups where when I was in Austin and part of this was because I went to school in Austin, I had a lot of friend groups that were maybe more um, a little mixed, but not even really that. It was just like having uh, friends who were just queer and that we all hung out together and like had a good time. Like that wasn't really a thing. It was just that we were in these larger groups just based off of either like our social groups that we were in or like clubs in, in university or classes. And so, yes, coming here and being able to really start to say, okay, these are the kinds of people I want to hang around with all the time. I don't necessarily want to go to straight bars all the time. I want to be more in queer spaces. I want to do more activities and like really get a better understanding as to all the the people who are here within the community. Well, I mean, Seattle's just got such a vibrant queer community that it's it, it's almost daunting to think about like how do I even <laughs> just begin to explore like the different, yeah. you know, parts of that community because there's so much. Was there a moment that you remember where you felt proud in and of your queer body for the first time or was that more of a journey? What did that look like for you? Um, definitely a journey, and especially um, since people are listening and not watching, I definitely, I'm a plus size individual. I would consider myself like a cub or a bear. So um, sitting in that like space, uh, especially having been that way most of my adult life. And so really thinking of like body positivity and what does that mean when you are um, a man or male presenting in uh, the queer community, that is still, I will say, a challenge, to be honest. But I do remember one of the things that we did for Austin Pride, which is always just really the biggest thing is the parade. And so the University of Texas, which is where I went, we have a, a pride contingency. There's a banner, people stand. And I just had this one shirt I had gotten from a club. This was just like this giant, like, there's just bright red shirt that just said pride emblazoned over it. And I remember like I had been doing a lot of running like before then and I just felt really good and in my body. And I was like right towards the front. And I just, um, as we walked down Congress Avenue, which is the main avenue in Austin, just seeing all the people out and especially kids just looking so excited and so happy. And I was like, yes, like I'm so proud to like be here in this moment and just like be myself and to see this resonate with other people. That was probably one of the first times and that was in college. So that felt really great. Oh, I love that. I love that. I, I'd love to kind of transition into your candidacy for mayor, but I wonder how that feeling of pride, how does that, or how doesn't that weave its way into your campaign and the way that you are envisioning yourself as the mayor of Seattle, how does that uh, manifest itself? Well, I would say in general, Seattle is definitely a welcoming place for people to say that you're kind of free to fly your freak flag. And so people are like, yeah, that's cool. Like you can just do whatever you want. And that doesn't necessarily translate though to being in positions of leadership and being very visible. It's kind of more like go off and do your own thing. Just don't like put it in front of people all the time. And for me in particular, I knew when I was going to start running this race that I couldn't just try and fit into a box of what people expected a politician to be 
or just a, a mayor to be. And I said, no, I really want to redefine what I believe a mayor should be for Seattle and to be myself. And so even when I go to events or forums, like whenever most of them have been on Zoom, so mostly from the waist up, but I'll usually wear things that I would just normally wear and just kind of present myself in a certain way where I'm just like, this is kind of who I am. Like I like athleisure and I like wearing more um, street clothing. And so it's just, as long as I am a put together version of myself, then people are really getting the honest, authentic version of me. And I think that's what we should want from more people in positions of power, especially in government. It's just like, who are you actually not? Who are you trying to be so that you just get my votes? When I think of my experience of looking towards political candidates and people within that world, I want to see someone that I can relate to. Yeah. You know, I, I, it's, it shouldn't be this person that, you know, there's, it's not a hierarchy. There's not, it's not someone that's above the rest of the community. It's someone that's representing the community. And so I think that by bringing that to your campaign and making sure that that's at the forefront, I mean, that's just going to speak volumes to so many people. Yeah. And it really has, um, I can kind of gloat about this a little bit, but a <laughs> uh, first time candidate and being unapologetically unapolo- myself, just like trying to continue saying that word, um, we done really well. We were the first campaign to max out on democracy vouchers, which for those listening is our public financing system here in Seattle. And we've just really had a very strong message of how we want to represent those who really need help the most here. Because even though we are seen as very progressive, I would say when it comes to actually enacting change for people to get by, there's a lot of resistance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So speaking of, you know, first time candidacy and, you know, jumping into this world of politics, I wonder if you might just talk about how that has been <laughs> and why you got into politics. It definitely has been a journey. Uh, and I am someone who was already very active on Twitter, and that's kind of how this all started. So I decided to run, in all honesty, after I had um, asked a couple of other people who I know that are organizers if they were going to run, and they all decided no. And that came from our wildfires last September, where there were just so many unhoused people outside. And um, Seattle actually has the third largest homeless population, and we're the 18th largest city. And so there's a disproportionate impact there. And we've been saying that we've had an emergency since 2015, and we haven't really seen any improvement. And so as someone who comes from architecture, and has a lot of difficulty just trying to get projects complete here because people don't want to see their neighborhoods change. They don't want to see us put up more apartments. Um, I knew that the systems had to change. And so in many ways, this is an extension of my organizing as a housing activist where I say, we need to take this position of power for the community to be able to change and improve the system so that we can finally start providing the housing that people need. But in many ways, I see this as a great opportunity to embrace a more sustainable city and in a way embrace change and take control of change so that we can choose to define what the future of our city looks like. Wow. 
Do you have any advice for folks who are kind of in that same position and are maybe in a city or in a place where they aren't seeing that change and they feel like they are the one that could bring about that change? Do you have advice for how to even begin to um, get into the world of politics and to, you know, start a candidacy in some, you know, for something? Yeah, absolutely. So first, I would say that you should be involved in your community in some way already. And whether that just be the smallest thing, which you can start with by making a public comment at a county or a community council uh, meeting and speaking there, joining an organization that may already exist. Uh, I believe organizing in general is really the important part and especially not coming from either having a, if you don't have a very strong network of any kind, uh, if you're not a professional or you are someone who just really wants to make an impact, but you don't have a lot of resources, then the best way to do that is to create a team and like really organize. And I actually just spoke about this at an architecture conference and people were like a little intimidated about it. They're like, how do you organize as an architect and like do activism? And I said, it's really that you just need two or three other people who share a common goal with you. And then you start to build together. And in organizing, it's really important to recognize that you're not alone and that you are not responsible for everything. And so as big as some of the challenges we are facing, and I know for many of us, especially in the U.S., we're all kind of dealing with a lot of the same issues, know that you're not alone in that and that if you have a team, you can support each other. The other thing that I will say is like, if you are very dead set on getting involved in politics, there's the organization Run for Something. They have been extremely supportive of my campaign. We got endorsed. And from there, they actually provided us trainings and resources to actually understand how you run a campaign. And I definitely am someone as a licensed professional and someone that people rely on for expertise. Um, I relied on my consultants to provide me expertise. But at the same token, it's also great to learn by doing. And so, yeah, I would say that people start from there and just start from like a very small piece and then you just slowly build over time. Mm. I love that. Thank you. That's perfect advice. Now, on the flip side of that, for people who, and I think this might be changing, but I, I just, one of the things I feel like I always hear when it comes to politics you know, people hear that and they, they, they push it aside. They, it's, they don't want to get into that. It, that just gets too complicated. It's too confusing. It's, it, oh, absolutely. you know, fill in the blank. That definitely happens even within our community. And I will say part of that is for us now that we have more rights and now that we are seen in some ways as equal, or at least like it appears to be that way, people don't want to rock the boat. They, they like kind of keeping things as they are. And um, I think kind of getting to where you were going with this is like, what do you say to these people who are, in essence, apolitical? Part of that is it really depends on who they are and what they're bringing with them. And I say this being both queer and also mixed race, so I'm Black and Latino. Inherently, I'm political because of my identities. And it's the same for yourself and for many other people, where it's just like, that's just a part of who you are. And so you can't extract yourself from a system that you will always be a part of with that as well as like, even if you are not being directly impacted by some of these policies, you have a say as to whether or not you're being complicit 
There is no such thing as neutral, especially now. You are either enforcing the existing systems, which are still oppressing many people, or you're actively working to dismantle those systems and build new ones. Well, and even within the queer community, I mean, people think, oh, well, 2015, you know, the Supreme Court upheld same-sex marriage and, you know, great, everything's fine, you know, where it's equality. But in reality, that really only speaks to the white cisgender folks of our queer community. And there's a whole other sector that does not have that same equality. And so there's still work to be done. You know, people think that we've made it to this, you know, final point. And it's like, no, there's actually, there are still many folks who don't have the same rights. Yep. And there are still so many large issues. And one in particular, just because we touched on homelessness earlier. So still within our community, the LGBTQ community, there are so many teens and children who become homeless because they are cast aside. Their families do not want anything to do with them. And so in terms of homeless youth, I want to say it's still about 40% of those that are homeless are because they were um, LGBTQ and kicked out of their homes. And so in that way, a lot of these issues are still going on and have not been improved. But in many ways, I think whether you're someone who believes that you want to make an impact on a local level or at the federal level, if you start to build systems where you are supporting everyone and you're supporting those with the least or those who are the most marginalized, you will then improve the quality of life for everyone. As you speak of homelessness and, you know, we, you've shared that you had moved from um, Austin to Seattle. Something that I'm really starting to think about is just what does home mean you know, whether that's a physical space or, um, you know, an emotional support type space, you know, something that the LGBTQ community has struggled with for so long is is finding that home. Because as you said, like so many youth are pushed out of their their physical homes or the places they may have grown up. And then they're, they're forced to find these new homes, whether that's a physical space or, a you know, a city or a whatever. Is that like a, a theme? I mean, I don't know. I'm just starting to kind of like sense a theme, but is that something that you see a lot in your world of activism? And uh, I'm assuming just speaking with all sorts of people, is this this struggle for home? Oh, absolutely. And even for myself, being mixed race and also being queer, there were a lot of spaces growing up that there was just no room made for me. And that was just because it just never existed. And so I had to make my own space. And so... I actually have my own architecture practice, and part of that was trying to create spaces which were inclusive and are intended on really providing uh, space for people like myself, or even not like myself. The tagline is places where people belong, and part of that is really just recognizing that in many ways we, we love exclusivity sometimes. And love to say like, oh, I get to be the one person to enjoy this or I get to enjoy this with a bunch of other people. But in in many ways, that can cause a lot of harm. And so it's important to also have those spaces, especially for those who have been excluded um, in many ways to have a home, to have a place. Yeah, which is, I think, where this idea of pride can be so important because that expression of that authentic self is it's what's going to both show who you are, but also, um, I don't want to say attract, but like, you know, it, 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 
creates a space for others to to feel a sense of home and a set a sense of acceptance and belonging exactly because they can relate to that um or and even if if they don't have that sense of pride yet or they haven't kind of made it to that level of self-acceptance and authenticity like they can still relate to that and and <laughs> flock to <Yes>. that <laughs> it it resonates in many ways and so when you see someone or when i see someone just like walking around with like just like tons of glitter and just like super colorful and i'm just like yes like i love living your full <laughs> self and that makes me encouraged to live my full self and it's even one of the reasons why i live on capitol hill and i love having our neighborhood and i think it's actually really important to have these like queer neighborhoods to exist because in many ways we are physically defending and expanding the space that is made for us to really truly be our full selves. And so I think that's important. For sure. For sure. So I wanted to talk a little bit about, because also, I mean, I, like I said, I moved to Seattle in uh, January, so I'm still pretty new to the city, but I was reading a little bit about, Seattle politics and kind of the history and where we have been, where we are going. I was reading a lot about kind of the the gridlock, the conflict that w- that has existed between the mayor and city council, and which I think kind of is just you see that on the national scale between like Democrats and Republicans. I mean, there's there's always this conflict, this us versus them. How do you plan to get through that? But also as a larger, more umbrella question, um, how do we as a society get past this place of us versus them, both in politics and outside of politics? I will start by saying I think it's really important to know who the us and who the them are. Because in particular, as we talk about politics and even January and having the insurrection, there was this contingent of this other, these individuals who really have existed for a long time in the United States who wanted to completely overthrow the government, specifically because the government was not the the white supremacist kind of state that it had been for a long time in our country. And so in that way, just to, to warn that sometimes we like to put civility above everything else. And I think that even happens in Seattle of saying like, we need to come to a place where we can come together. And it's like, yes, but also I need to ensure that when we're in the same room, you're not going to try to kill me. So we need to be able to start at a place of equality before we can even move forward towards equity. That being said, in Seattle, what you really are seeing from the mayor and the council is really how quickly things have shifted in terms of the consensus of the city, um, how quickly the city has grown because the mayor was elected in 2017. And so basically had been like a large amount of people who had moved here. Amazon was just starting to like really get into the boom. And then you hit in 2019 where everything has gotten significantly worse. Rent is much more expensive. More people have moved here. Uh, the city has moved further left. And so then you elect a council that represents that. And it also had gone to a full district system. And so by then, you start to see people who are really representative of those communities. And so you have this disconnect between a mayor that was elected at wide, much more centrist, had to be more of a consensus with business and trying not to piss anyone off. And then a council that is dead set on really trying to, to make significant change. And the problem with our system here in Seattle, because there are different ways that 
uh, a mayor and council works is that we have a strong mayor system, which means that the mayor decides whether or not we actually fund and like move forward with things. Council sets the budget, but the mayor can choose to not spend money. And so in that way, actually block things. Um, one example that I, I give all the time is safe consumption sites. So that's something where for many people, they recognize addiction is a health issue. And so we should be giving people treatment and it, or places to actually exercise their addiction, but then also get resources and help. And so the council has funded that three years in a row and the mayor has never spent the money. And so the gridlock that you're seeing is a refusal by the mayor to really try and implement these things that other people want to see change. And so that will be an interesting part of this year's uh, results, just like when they do come in, is really understanding, okay, where is the community on the whole in terms of how far progressive do we want to be? How much more change do we want to see? How do we actually want to address the issues? Because I will say that despite the differences that we do have, we all agree on what the problems are. The biggest problems that we face here are homelessness, um, wealth inequality, and dealing with the climate crisis. And so how do we solve these items is what we're really working through right now and honestly through this election. Something that I spoke about, I think, yeah, in my intro to to the series was I was talking about bullying and how one of the things that I think could really change the that that atmosphere and and you know the bullying that we see within the youth of our society is this this teaching of empathy and this idea that it's the cliche of putting yourself in the other person's shoes but i think that also can apply here we as a society going back to that othering of and creating this us versus them Yes, there are differences between all of us, but there are also many similarities. And the biggest being that we are all human. <laughs> and I just, it, it's something I just keep going back to is this idea of if only we were more empathetic, that also would start to just erase some of this gridlock and some of this division that we're seeing in our country today. Oh, absolutely. And I will say that this is not more true than now dealing with uh, COVID and the Delta variant. So it has been something, and this is kind of a, well, I guess there's sort of two different things, but um, one has been like people who have gotten it now that we're unvaccinated being like, I now realize how important it is to get vaccinated because I've experienced this. And so now mm-hmm. I have empathy for other people. Now I actually care. And so they are now advocates. They've somehow gotten here. And it would have been great if there was another way to go about this, but for some people it's like, you actually have to live that experience. And another one actually was related to the insurrection, just like pretty bad. But this guy was put in a prison and he was there for three months. And coming out of it, he's like, wow, I didn't realize how horrible a prison system was and how we treat inmates. And it's just like, wow, like just having people go through these experiences and truly understanding the systems that we have set up. And for, for many of us, we don't question it just because we've never experienced it. And so to your point, Yes. Um, I'm not sure if there are other ways that we can just try and develop sympathy, at least in the short term, uh, as to getting everyone to have to go to jail. But um, yeah, I, I agree that empathy is something that could go a long way to really trying to, to make significant improvements for all of us. 
Would you explain to folks who are listening um, how the this mayoral race is kind of set up and where it stands currently? I know that ballots are due soon. So would you mind kind of giving a little breakdown of that? Okay. So it's a little complicated, but basically um, most people who decided to run declared anywhere between January and March. But when you officially file, it's in May. And so there's a week of filing. Um, that was actually interesting to see because we had somewhere around like 23 candidates because the mayor's not running again. And so everyone is just like, we're in, we're going to try. Um, we're now only to 15 candidates, but we have what I would say are six front runners, quote unquote, um, and I am one of them. So I feel good about that. But ballots uh, were received Monday of last week or Friday before. And so people are now turning them in. And I love our system, I will say. Um, I wish that every state had mail-in. And we also have same-day voter registration and same-day voting. So people can actually register in person and vote on Election Day, which is August 3rd. So people are just turning their ballots in. We've gotten to a point where everyone's fundraising. So it's really just trying to get out the vote, especially for my campaign. Um, we are the most left out of all the candidates. And so when it comes to some but I would say more controversial things, uh, for example, being the only candidate that wants to defund the police, which many people will be like, oh, uh, what does that mean? Um, it's important for people to understand the context and history. And so, for example, I will say that uh, part of this election is very much representative of all the protests that happened here last year, which went on for really close to four months um, of just having a protest every single day. So... Part of this election, which we'll see, is really like, have a lot of people forgotten about what happened? Is that really important to them? Do they see defunding the police as something that is necessary in order to lift up Black lives and to create alternatives of public safety? Or is it more just the belief in reform and that we can continue doing reform, which I don't agree that we can, especially in Seattle. Um, for more context, we've had a consent decree, which means that we have had federal orders to improve our police because they are just that bad uh, since 2012. And we still have officer-involved shootings. And so our first totals will come in August 3rd, that night, so two Tuesdays from now. And because it's vote by mail, every single day you'll see more and more votes come in. And given that there are six people who could potentially make it through in a top two primary, it will be kind of a slog for us of just like, okay, how are we doing today? How many votes came in? Are we above? Are we below? Um, for us, we actually have a really great shot. And so what I've been really pushing is clearly because there are some career politicians that are in the race. These are people who have been in charge for the past few years, and we have not seen the improvement that we want to see happen in our city. And so in order to address the issues at hand, and especially with the climate crisis, and for those listening, I'm fairly young, if you can't tell from my voice, <laughs> that we need to address these issues now. Like, we can't wait anymore. We can't do these minor changes. It's time to actually build new systems. And so I'm hoping that that message really resonates because that will really set an indicator for the general public of are they actually really invested in making this change or are they more concerned with keeping themselves comfortable? Because I think that's really what it is at the end of the day. I think for many people, they support social rights. And especially in Seattle, they 
they understand what it means to have justice, but in terms of actually making changes in their own lives, which could then make them uncomfortable, they shy away from that. Well, thank you so much for breaking that all down. I, it can be confusing, <laughs> no matter the city or the place that you're in. Which I will ask the question, have you filled out your ballot? I did. I sent it in uh, last Thursday. Great. Awesome. So that is the other thing too, just in case anyone else is listening here in Seattle, you have until the Friday before election day to mail it in because it has to be received by Tuesday. And so if you don't do it on that Friday, find a ballot drop box because they're all over the city and then put it in the actual box. You can put it into the box anytime up to 8 p.m. on that Tuesday. Thank you. Well, uh, before we kind of head our separate ways, I always like to ask the guests to add to the the queer queue, as I have named it, which is basically like a a list of resources or books or things to study up on. You know, you had had listed already, I mean, Supernova, something to check (laughs) out. And run for something. Yep. Um, but do you have anything else that you would add to this, to the queer queue? I have talked a lot on the campaign about Taco Cat, which I don't think many people know the band or like they know a little bit of it because they're just like, oh, there's actually a band because this is just a joke of a name. Not really, but it's kind of great. And Taco and a cat. They are a local band and they're also a queer band. And so um, highly recommend that people listen to them. And Jake, if you have ever taken the number eight bus, there is a song about it. So. Ooh. All right. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> it is um, like punk music, but like good. It's good. Okay. It's good. And they're local. That's awesome. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Ace, thank you so much again for, for taking some time out of your day to, to chat. I know you're, you and your campaign are very busy. <laughs> Where can listeners keep up with you, keep up with the campaign uh, and the rest of your work? So the campaign is all A-G-H, which are my initials, for the number four, S-E-A.com. And so A-G-H, for S-E-A, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And then for me personally, they can find me at the T-H-E Urban Ace uh, on Instagram and Twitter. Once again, thank you, Ace. I wish you and the rest of the campaign and your staff, you know, the best of luck in the coming days. So excited to see where where y'all are going to go. And I I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. Thanks. You too, Jake. And hopefully soon enough, I will see you in person somewhere around the hill. Yes, yes, for sure. For sure. This has been Queer by Birth, Proud by Choice with Jake Federowski. I ask for your patience as I venture on this journey. If I have said anything that came across as offensive, uneducated, or simply incorrect, please feel free to contact me. I look forward to listening and learning. You can email me at qbbpbc at gmail.com or follow me on Twitter and or Instagram at qbbpbc. Please like and share as you are able. It is much appreciated. Last but certainly not least, I'm forever grateful for the wonderful artwork designed by my friend Kristen, whose website will be linked in the show notes.